this period of time together from 7.30 through to late 30 that falls into three areas the first as a guided meditation in expressing some reflection and some inquiry into what matters Uh, secondly, following on from that, the areas of uh, question, any responses that you notice uh, in yourself, anything that you'd like to uh, ask about, that's the second part. Then the third part, a little take some uh, quotations from uh, the Buddha just read one just a matter of a sentence or two we have a few moments of uh, silence together so reflection to see in the listening whether it's relevant for our life and then another brief reading, a minute or two of reflection, and that would be the third part. So the first, let us uh, inquiry together, just uh, initially as we do with the formal sitting practice, checking that the posture are the straight and uh, upright, Initially being mindful of breathing in and breathing out. So that we ground and establish ourselves in the living present. As the open doorway to a free clear, bright existence. Just sitting on this earth. Nowhere to go to. Nothing to run nor pursue after. So that we can experience in a rest in this great field of existence
in the afternoon teachings. I gave some attention to what matters. So as we sit here, in the immediacy of life. Just allowing in ourselves the question to arise, what matters? Allowing the question to rest within us. And seeing, experiencing if there are any responses, any intimations. Not trying to think up a good answer. Not engaging in intellectualization. Just raising the question quietly, slowly, inwardly. And just resting in the present moment.
just being receptive to any response to the question. Simple question followed by inner listening. not expecting nor forcing any kind of answer to raise the question has its own value
if there is a clear inner response then staying with that response and if there isn't just letting the question rest within so that we're engaged in listening to a deeper level of awareness and that is the journey of inner listening Is our consciousness connected with the deeper inner listening to the response or to the question? we get caught up in more superficial things meditative practice is to know ourselves clearly 
to be honest about areas where we get caught up. To be clear about the value of deeper inner questioning. remaining minute or two This period, period for any responses that you might have, either relationship to the talk this afternoon, the meditative reflection you've just engaged in, or anything associated with the issue of living. So, anyone has uh, any responses in any way? Anything that you might care to uh, ask or speak about or comment on? It's uh, all yours. And then I'll uh, endeavour to respond to uh, what you say.
was going to say, mm-hmm. when you first brought up the question of what really matters yes. this afternoon, about half an hour later when we were sitting in the, in the lounge, yes. the thought came to me of just being completely in the now as much as you possibly can, yeah. all the time. Yeah, very good, very good. Uh, so, if uh, you didn't hear at the back, uh, the person at the front, uh, following on from the talk this afternoon, but, uh, a little while uh, later, there is an inner response, the inner response provides some insight and some clarity. And that inner response reflecting and showing itself as a reminder about the great value of being really here and now. In Eastern language, the darshan of the present moment, the connection with the here and now. Sometimes, when we're rather cloudy, consciousness is rather obscure, the various layers are uh, across it. It can easily bring some doubt what's so significant, what's so important about this moment, this present. But when some of that begins to lift, the energy, the vitality, the receptivity, the interest and the energy uh, is there then the whole sense of what living is also can begin to be felt and known much more. So the present moment always regarded in the teachings as a rather precious opportunity so that even when you and I turn our attention to memory or to some future thought about whatever it might be Actually, it is simply manifestation of mind, of thought, consciousness, coming out of the here and now. So we, we may say, oh, I go to the past, or I go to the future. But that's the way of conceiving. So whatever's going on with life, it's actually coming out of the here and now. And as we develop our practice, as we get a sense and appreciation for that, then we see everything that's to be known and realized is immediate. Nowhere else to go, this is it. Good, thank you. Yes, anyone? Yes, please. I had a very strong response, saying nothing matters. Nice. Good. Followed by everything matters. Um, <laughs> when I kind of intellectualized about nothing, it, I meant it on a kind of yeah. level of emptiness and shinyata and, and, and a wider level, not that things aren't important yeah. and passionate mm. about 
liberation and equality and things like that. But uh, it's quite shocking. Um, Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So quite often uh, in everyday mind and lovely to hear your response there in everyday mind when we make something to matter the consciousness that means being conscious takes up something might be something quite noble and refined and pure, etc. And there is a particular object, whatever we want to call it, enlightenment, liberation, truth, freedom, God, etc. Sometimes the response doesn't take up anything, doesn't go towards anything. There is a genuine feeling inside that comes which is able to state nothing matters. Quite often, uh, initially, we can feel rather uncomfortable with it because we're always telling ourselves and always being told things matter, things are important. It's invaluable to be able to stay with the sense of nothing matters, not to be afraid of it, not to tell ourselves this matters and that matters and something else matters, all our constant changing ideas of what matters. and experience nothing matters. Hopefully being clear enough that with the experience of nothing matters that sense and that thought and that experience doesn't link up with negativity, despair, purposelessness, aimlessness, whatever. But to have the confidence, nothing matters. Nothing matters. Usually the dear old mind hates hearing this. It usually only says it when one is miserable. But to say it, to feel it and uh, sense it can um, allow for a different sense of things. And nothing matters, everything matters, can meet together. It really has gone deep with nothing matters, everything matters. They are not separate from each other. Good, lovely to hear. Yes, one person at the back because she had her hand raised and then I'll come to you. Yes, please, at the back. Um, I was just wondering if you could 
Meditation is is one where there are all the practices and they're important and they're valuable. There is a wish for ourselves to develop as a human being. A wish to be as it were better than we are. So, we do our meditations, we look at ourselves, we <coughs> engage in uh, various explorations, we, we reflect, we meditate, we um, see Dharma teachers, we go to counsellors, we do workshops and programmes and retreats, <laughs> the whole catastrophe. And the underlying inspiration and thought and motivation and interest can be in a rather helpful and worthwhile way to develop as a person, to evolve as a human being. And all of that can matter. But is there an end to it? Is there only the path? And you have people, very, very dedicated people, who are on the path, who are on the spiritual path, who are on the Buddhist path, who are on the path of the middle way, who are on the path of seeking and searching, on the path of inquiry and exploration and interest, and finding out if there is a path. All of that is uh, valid. But sometimes we forget the whole purpose of all of this is not to get on the path, not to even stay on the path, but to end it as quickly as possible. (coughs) To know the end of it. So sometimes we can feel, gosh, I put so much time into doing this, doing that, doing this, doing that. And then we say, well, whatever it is, whatever happens, in the moment, in some way or other, I just come back to myself. Or Buddhist language and Buddhist tradition and the word self don't have the best of marriages. I just come back to what is. And no matter how much I practice or I don't practice, how much I develop or I don't develop, 
no matter whether I'm going three steps forward, one step back, or three steps forward and three thousand steps back, which some believe they do. I still keep coming back to what is in the moment. I still keep coming back to what is. So my sense of development as a person, as a human being, will be based on my comparing. Sometimes I say, finally I'm getting somewhere. This is now my 247th retreat. I'm finally making a little bit of progress. Or whatever. So, the comparing is looking at the present to the past, which can be helpful, which can be valuable. But just being with what is, without the arising of the thought to compare, or as you said, just to be with oneself. But this, perhaps there's something rather significant and deep and profound about that. It'd be rather a pity to engage in a lot of comparing through the usual secular ways with other people, with um, how one feels about oneself in one's line of work, study or money or whatever and then transfer all of that to spiritual ways of a lot of comparing that can take place. So teachings acknowledge, acknowledge development, the path and progress, but deeper level, what is matter? To see what's discovered there. common voice. Others in the hall will know this uh, as well. Intention is pure and clear. To be at peace. To feel life meditatively. 
to feel uh, life in an untroubled way. And the listening to that and the taking the steps, such as being in a meditation hall or whatever, is important and valuable. Quite often, it gives immediate license for all the resistance to arise. The very fact of just stopping and being still and doing nothing, and that meditation is basically the art of doing nothing, the art in fact of doing less than nothing. We're doing nothing, we're doing far too much. So, in that, soon as there's doing nothing, just sitting here, perhaps giving a little attention to the breath, it gives an opportunity for the inner life to move, to do its thing quite naturally, quite organically. The very bare simple mindfulness just sitting on the cushion in a way brings it closer to us meaning the contractions in the throat the knot in the stomach the pressure the difficulty with the pressure the desire to get away everywhere else on the planet seems an easier place to exist than this meditation hall. All of that are the, the signals of some discharge, some relief, some meeting of awareness with, in this case, probably some contraction. Different places. First step there is the uh, awareness. And I'm not surprised to uh, hear from uh, that in the inner listening, uh, one of the responses that came is courage. And courage, amongst many aspects, is the antidote to fear. And fear usually has a relationship to control. So the inner life can in its relationship sometimes to ourselves or to events past or present or future can experience issues around control there's a tightening up around, a restriction around uh, perhaps the wanting for something to be in a particular way all that which is control and we're not realizing that in trying to control deeper level of our emotional life get pushed back in all sorts of ways and the more we try to control our existence the more likelihood of contraction sometimes it, it's very clear and specific like you said where it is down in here can be uh, in the throat area, but in any part of the body. One, one, two, or many, many aspects of this, but one or two that immediately come to mind is 
listen to the voice of courage and in listening to the voice of courage you have to ask yourself what would be an act of courage for me? every day there's the potential for acts of courage what would be to respond to engage in some way or other where normally I'd hold back normally I'd say I can't do this or whatever it might be and therefore to have some kind of uh, release valve some way to express an act of courage Um, it doesn't have to be dramatic but one just knows one goes against the pattern the uh, second two is that maybe the uh, emotional energies need to flow a little bit more freely that isn't always so easy in the sitting posture because of the stillness of the body so generating and creating time for movement, dance, free expression letting things flow regularly not just on a Saturday night you see what I mean and allowing that to happen to flow more freely and sometimes whole being needs to flow more communication needs to flow more everything needs to flow more and all that can help areas which are a bit integrate more fluidly and freely as well so sometimes I told you to go outside and run and jump and dance and scream etc do what you need to do to get it flowing and then come back and, and sit and then see how it is and sometimes it doesn't have to be quite that much of a contrast it's just some moment, some time of um, pressure desire to get away like you described and then quite naturally one gets into the rhythm of it quite naturally one feels greater uh, harmony so the immediate experience that means that yesterday is a kind of reminder I would uh, imagine of some vulnerability fear and around fear and holding Yeah, go on. Yeah. Um, you know what you said about control is that I feel it felt it. Yeah. And it was just, I just didn't know how to deal with it because the feel began to overwhelm me. It's almost like who knows what's going to happen if I really let go. I might exactly. be or something, you know? You might what? I might be something terrible. I might be, I might just run around murdering people or something. You know, it's quite crazy. Yeah. Sometimes the fears arise uh, uh, there and, and the thought or the image may come and sometimes it gets uh, uh, in any kind of form like the one that you just, uh, just uh, uh, described the allowing of things to flow and uh, the trust especially in these kind of environments so far in 25 years everybody who walked into a retreat walked out meaning we haven't had any 
slaughterhouses so far. So it's unlikely you'll be the exception. Go on. No, no. If if there is pressure and some fearful fantasy, yeah. as I said, it may be a little bit too much to ask the body to be still. Let the being express. Let things flow more freely, so that one's with the rhythm of it, and not with resistance. And then afterwards, sit. So one is listening to the uh, inner messages that are going on. We should not anticipate, nor expect, nor demand on ourselves that sitting is the answer to everything. This is a completely loopy idea. So the resource for us but so is movement and free expression. All of that can help as a temporary factor to feel more at peace and in harmony. But it still requires from us enough clarity and enough vigilance to see where in my life is fear going on, where in my life is there holding, where am I trying to control, where am I kind of sitting on all of that which puts pressure on my throat and pressure? Yeah. And if we can pick that up early enough, then we can be on the cutting edge of things, so to speak, and say, okay, I notice that's going on. So it may be a communication, one wants to say something to somebody and one's afraid to say. And I mean, on the cutting edge of it means that at this point, the courage comes in. At this point, the step is made. And therefore, it's the work of transforming fear to courage. Control to freedom of expression. And one begins to see this is the transformative process. Okay. Thank you. Yes? Um, <coughs> all of it seems to be predicated on the understanding that <coughs> We're in control of our mind. But is it the case that our, our mind or our brain controls us? It is too, too. Well, um, perhaps not that everything is predicated on that we are in control of. Because as we were just um, hearing, the inner life seems to be constantly full of surprises. Some of them welcome called insight, appreciation, love, joy, happiness, and some of them very unwelcome. So in that respect, we're very much uh, influenced by the uh, element of awareness, which is one of the most precious elements that we have as human beings, and just taking the last situation as an example it's not that we need to be in control of the mind I doubt if we really can as you point out but can there be for us just enough awareness to be able to respond wisely to its condition that's all we need we don't need to have 
uh, try to have control over and put the pressure on. But can we just know ourselves well enough to see what's the wise step to do or not to do, particularly in relationship to difficulty? So if the inner life is happy, spacious, contented, if we're at ease with existence, and that means with ourselves and with the outer, then we don't have to be concerned with anything that we've just been discussing. Why? At ease with life. And that has its own uh, wisdom to it. It is when life is problematic, in all the various ways, when we saw problems, then some understanding and insight needs to come in. Some awareness and probably some practices as well. Because without that, one or two things tends to happen. Either we totally identify with what's going on and we just act out the problems and the difficulties making our life difficult for ourselves or others or because we don't like it what we're experiencing we then start to resist and we get into control because we don't want to feel like this we try to control it in all sorts of ways we control it with sleeping tablets control it with overeating we control it with smoking we can uh, can control it with making our life as busy as possible, etc. They all become forms of control to not really feel what we're feeling, or not experience. So our practice is to bring awareness to it, find out what are skillful responses to to that, and that uh, exploration hopefully will transform situation. And that's you know, very much part of what spiritual practice is all about. Yeah. Yes, finally, anyone? Uh, what um, came up to me was the um, um, the alleviation of suffering. The the alleviation of suffering. The alleviation of suffering. That's what matters. Mm. But I have a question about um, the gap between um, the, the intensity of feeling yes. that I experience um, when I witness suffering. Yes. You know, suffering becomes unbearable. Uh, usually other people's mind as well. But yes. Something in general. Um, the gap between that and, and once the suffering has been alleviated, it's almost a flatness. Mm. It's as if I'm Sometimes people uh, tell me that there is uh, 
the passing through a great crisis all the ways that great crisis can spring upon us there is an intensity of suffering that goes in it, through it, around it and with it then there is some alleviation just perhaps just fades out of the consciousness time passes and then the person says well now I feel very flat that's unusual and when I was really suffering well at least I felt really alive <laughs> whoa memory comes in and in the intensity of it we forget that a feature and characteristic of suffering Buddhist sense probably life sense is something is happening which I want to stop this is called suffering something is going on heart, mind and body, whatever and my strongest wish is for it to be finished for it to alleviate itself to end the very wanting it to end confirms its suffering the very desire, I wish this would stop, I wish this would be over, I wish this nightmare would finish, I wish I could get out of this, I hate this, I can't stand this, etc. All of that, all to human reaction to a situation, is the confirmation. In Buddhist language, it's dukkha, it's suffering, it's misery. When it's over, it may have taken and consumed so much energy emotional, mental and physical as well as the struggle to get over it and out of it no wonder one is flat everything's been exhausted all the resources inside of oneself in getting through something but in the flat period we'll need some renewal otherwise flatness unless it begins to move it goes from flatness to heaviness and from heaviness to darkness and from darkness to depression suffering has stopped in its outer manifestation but the flatness can bring the dullness and the dullness, the heaviness and the heaviness, the feeling of down and depression and weight, etc. and that brings its own chain of problems and difficulties so it takes 
some awareness and quite often some activity perhaps in the nature or whatever through music, through the art, through creativity, through expression through awareness of change, through the contact with the full day to really sense, pass through suffering experience the alleviation from it making some allowances for the, all the energy that's gone into it and then renewing and reconnecting with life and activity it would be a pity to end up flat as the solution for the alleviation of suffering in the fullness of the resolution that's his word, alleviation, same thing of suffering the outcome is the greatest joy hang in the joy is not so far away (laughs) okay, we have a few minutes of some quotes of the Buddha just a few minutes, five to ten minutes So these things, the um, <coughs> the message for the Dharma is the important thing, not the messenger. And in terms of uh, Gaia House and its relationship to the messenger, you'll notice behind me there's a little Buddha image. To my taste, it's far too big, but there it's behind me. And it's actually written in to the minute, or the constitution or whatever, of Gaia House, which I persuaded the team of us as trustees to agree to, and I never tire of reminding them, that any Buddha image in the Dharma Hall has to be easily portable in the constitution of Gaia House so that if we wish to evict the messenger which I often like to do it's not going to take a whole removal phone in other words it can be picked up and just dropped amongst the cushions in the room there and that's how it is it's rather ironic I don't want to ramble on about this. It's rather ironic that 
There was another little Buddha image in her golden colour, which the Theravada monk gave us, the member of Arti, God bless him. And that did get evicted. Years, it was great. So when I was in California, the teachers meeting, a teaching there in June, they said, ah, oh, Christopher, you're going back to England. Would you like to carry a Buddha image back? Just my luck. So this is it. I was hoping for an empty seat on the aeroplane so I could <laughs> stick the Buddha on the seat beside me and request an extra Indian vegetarian. Such are the disappointments of life, it was a full flight. <laughs> okay, so I'll just read firstly. So I'll read one, a minute or two of quiet. As I say, the message is important, not the messenger. Religion constantly got it the wrong way around. The spiritual life does not have gain, honour and fame for its goal. All the attainment of virtue, all the attainment of meditative concentration, all knowledge and vision, but unshakable freedom of mind is the goal of the spiritual life. So a minute or two, quiet, and then I'll read another quote. Hatred never ceases by hatred in this world. Hatred comes, ceases through non-hatred. This is an endless truth. One acts in full awareness when eating, drinking, consuming food and tasting. One acts in full awareness when defecating and urinating. One acts in full awareness when walking, standing, sitting, falling asleep, waking up, talking and keeping silent. These eight worldly conditions keep the world turning around. 
and the world turns around these eight worldly conditions. What eight? Gain and loss, success and failure, praise and blame, pleasure and pain. There are two conditions for the arising of right understanding. The voice of another and wise attention. Right understanding is assisted by five factors when it has liberation by wisdom for its fruit. Namely, morality, reflection, discussion, calmness, and insight. Dry up the remains of your past and have nothing for your future. If you do not cling to the present, then you can go from place to place in peace. Talk that is helpful in in opening up the mind and which conduces to complete turning away, peace, direct knowing, enlightenment and nirvana, that is, talk about fewness of wishes, talk about contentment, talk about seclusion, talk about putting forth energy, talk about morality, talk about meditative concentration, talk about liberation, talk about the knowledge and vision of liberation. Neither mother, father, nor any other relative can do one greater good 
than one's own well-directed mind. May all beings live in peace. May all beings live in harmony. May all beings live in peace and harmony. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.